9 o'clock. Appreciate you joining us. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. And text or call us, 970-242-1340. We'll have Mark Johnson, voice the Buffaloes, coming up in just a little bit. Mark had a uh, power outage at his house, and so there was some some issues he was dealing with at his place over at Evergreen. So we'll have uh, Mark coming up in a little bit. We'll talk about that uh, game tough loss for the Buffaloes at home to UCLA. We'll uh, get into that coming up in just a little bit. But uh, normally he's with us every Wednesday. But because he was on an airplane yesterday, Brian Roth couldn't uh, join the guys in the program. So time to talk a little uh, Rams basketball and football with the voice of the Colorado State Rams, Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth, on the Jim Davis Show. And with us right now, the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, Brian Roth. Brian, I I thought I was going to miss you because I was out yesterday. Moving day for us, but... um, I'm I'm glad that uh, we're able to to talk today on this Thursday. Yeah, indeed. Thanks for uh, making a couple of adjustments for me. I appreciate it. Well, it's always what you can. You know, we're, we're glad. Hey, anytime we can get you on, anything we can do to make it work for you, because you're the one doing us the solid, and we always appreciate that. Anytime. Tim Miles is having a good season, isn't he? Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, for the former Rams uh, basketball coach. Part of that really good season that he's having at San Jose State involved the Rams the other night in the sixty-three to forty-six loss. I know you're you're happy for Tim. I know that uh, you've uh, maintained a relationship with Tim over the years. But as the voice of the CSU Rams, uh, that was that was a frustrating one to lose to the Spartans the other night. Well, it was, and and to, to start with Tim, though he's he's going to get my vote for uh, Coach of the Year in the Mountain West Conference. I mean, this is a San Jose State program, Jim. I, I can't tell you how bad they have been over the last decade since joining the Mountain West Conference, and and they have been one of the worst Division One teams. And I think there's what 361 Division One teams now, and they're constantly uh, in all the metrics, whether it be Ken Palm or, or the net rankings or RPI back in the day, they were always in the 300 and. It's a place where uh, careers go to die as head coaches, and the facilities are by far the worst in the Mountain West Conference, and there's just not a lot of things going for San Jose State basketball. The support is almost non-existent, and Tim Miles goes in there last year, year number one, they go 8-23. and 23. They went 1-17 in the Mountain West Conference. Rams went there and beat them by 36 last year, and here Tim Miles is, year number two, and he has cultivated some of the young talent that were already in the program. He has brought in transfers. Uh, obviously, that's a, a, a big part of rebuilding a program is going out and getting guys that have started their careers at other places. And for them to be able to do what they have done, they're 18 and 13, 9 and 8 in Mountain West Conference play. They, they, they could get the number five seed in the conference tournament next week. And it is nothing short of remarkable of what Tim has been able to do there. Uh, you know, I had a chance to chat with Tim for about 10 minutes before the game on Tuesday night. And, of course, my broadcast partner is Adam Nygon. Adam played for Tim Miles at Colorado State. And so we always have a great relationship with Tim. And so we sat down and we're just hanging out before the game. And I said, Tim, how many wins did you think you were going to have here this season? And he said, look, I thought if we got to 12 wins, it would be a remarkable season for us. And if we got to 
five wins in conference play, it would be a great season for us. Well, they're at 18 right now with one game left in the regular season, and they have nine conference wins so far. So he has done a phenomenal job, and again, he's my vote for Conference Coach of the Year. As far as the game, uh, 63-46, the, the final score, it, it's not indicative of how close the game was. The game was a lot closer than that, but, you know, this is a four-point game, six minutes to go. CSU scored two points the rest of the way. They got outscored 15-2, and uh, yep, that'll get you beat. Yeah, no doubt about it. And to kind of wrap it up on, on San Jose State, that you know, you mentioned the 18 wins this season. They've got a, a really a very winnable game at Air Force coming up this weekend. If they get the win there, maybe steal a win in the Mountain West Conference tournament or whatever postseason, uh, other postseason tournament, NIT, whatever that they go to, they could have 20 wins in a season for the first time since 1980-81. That's a long time. <laughs> to, that's a long, long stretch to not have a 20-win season in college basketball. Just, just crazy, right? I mean, that, that's just been a program that has been so bad, and you know, whether it you know is the Big West or whether it was the WAC before they came to the Mountain West Conference, and you just never felt like they they belonged in the Mountain West Conference. And of course, you know, you know why the Mountain West invited them ten years ago because you know trying to tap into that you know Bay Area television market, but um, you know, give give. San Jose State credit. The, the football team has had a couple of pretty good years with Brent Brennan. They've been to a couple of bowl games, uh, but it's just a, it's a hard place to to recruit to. So yeah, that that's crazy. I mean, forty two years if they can get that done. I mean, forty two years. That's a long time to go without winning twenty or more games. So and you know you look at San Jose State. They have a kid named Amari Moore on their team that I think is a first team All Conference player. A kid who was recruited three years ago by the previous coaching staff, and and uh, Tim and his staff have come in. They have developed him more as a six foot six shooting guard, who's really smooth, has long, long arms and legs, and can really get down the paint and score at the rim. He's added three point shooting. I think at this point he's probably the best NBA prospect in, in the Mountain West Conference. So go figure. They they have a chance to win twenty games, and they they might have the best pro prospect in 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 the league. CSU voice Brian Roth joining us today on the Team Sports Network, and for Tim Miles, I mean, what could he parlay this into? I mean, certainly when you turn around a program like San Jose State, as historically bad as they've been, Brian, that maybe this uh, this uh, turns into something even bigger for for Tim Miles. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of the way everybody is, is thinking about this. You know, I, I think a lot of folks were, were surprised that he took the job in the first place at uh, San Jose State because, again, it's been a place where coaches go to die. And it's, it's where you, you take that job so you can get fired, right? I mean, that's almost is what, what it's turned into until Tim got there. And there's no question. He's going to be a hot, hot name. Uh, and and I, a lot of folks are, are throwing out the name Cal. And, you know, that's a Cal team that, that Mark, you know, Mark Johnson will tell you. Uh, they're, they're terrible. They've only won three games this year. Now, unfortunately, one of those games was against Colorado. Uh, but, you know, Mark Fox has uh, what, been there four years at Cal, and they are they are atrocious. And I don't see him uh, coming back next year. Obviously, Tim's in San Jose. Berkeley's just up the road. You know, that seems like a, a natural progression. And, again, that's a Cal basketball program that uh, again needs to be rebuilt and what does Tim Miles do better than I'd say anybody in the entire nation 
he rebuilds programs. He did it at Colorado State. He's doing it at San Jose State. So yeah, he's not he's not meant to last there in San Jose. They have they have again the facilities are terrible, and again they get no support from the community. And so I know those are two very big strikes against San Jose State. It's not like that's a place you can build into uh, a Mountain West Conference power. Just They just don't have the resources or the support. Rams play-by-play voice Brian Roth with us today on the Team Sports Network getting back to the game. I mean, like you said, it was closer than the score lead, you believe, and disappoints only 46 points for the Rams in that game. But uh, San Jose State, I mean, they, they, they had the lead in the second half. Rams got it to one possession a bunch of times in the second half, uh, could, could never get the game tied up or take the lead. And then the Spartans kind of use that fifteen to two run late to, to really pull away to, to get the victory against CSU. Yeah, it was just a maddening and frustrating game, and, and in particular, you know, CSU just did not play very well, right? I mean, it was just that they did not have their fastball on Tuesday night there in, in San Jose, and they just do things that that you that get you beat on the road, right? You turn it over fourteen times, that's going to get you beat on the road. Uh, you miss free throws. That's going to get you beat on the road. You foul too much. It's going to get you beat on the road. You can't hit an open shot. And so it all just kind of culminated. You know, the Rams were down 48-44 with about six and a half minutes to go and had three possessions where they got a defensive stop, you get the basketball back, chance to cut into that deficit, and you go empty, empty, empty. And then the next thing you know, a three-pointer goes in on the other end. It's a seven-point game. They knock down another three-pointer. Boom, it's a ten-point game. And you had chances, but, you know, if you can't put the ball in the basket, you ain't going to win. And, it, uh, again, <laughs> two points in the final six minutes and seven seconds, that ain't going to get it done on the road. Heck, that ain't going to get it done at home. <laughs> I mean, and so, you know, they, they did things that get you beat on the road, and that's exactly what happened. They got beat on the road. So the Rams return home Friday night uh, to take on New Mexico uh, over at Moby to wrap up the regular season. And I guess just uh, you know, from, from your perspective, Brian, after a disappointing loss at San Jose State, what do you hope to see from the Rams coming up on Friday? Well, you know, CSU played really well their last home game last Friday. They, they thumped Wyoming in front of a sold-out crowd at Moby and really looked like the, the, the team you had hoped to see all season. Now, again, the good teams do it consistently, and the average teams you know, throw out their best game once every you know three or four contests, and but when the Rams have been good this year at home, they've been they've been pretty good, and and, and they were um, against Wyoming on Friday. Uh, it's not going to be a sold out arena coming up this Friday night against New Mexico, and uh, some of that has to do with the tip time. It's uh, a late tip time. It's not going to tip off till nine fifteen Mountain Time, and that's going to keep a lot of the uh, locals away. I mean, nine fifteen is pretty late, isn't it, to, to start a basketball game? So. Um, but you know what? Which team is going to show up, right? And is it going to be the team that, that couldn't get out of its own way in San Jose on Tuesday night? Or is it going to be the team that, that thumped Wyoming and, uh, you know, really looked good in the process? I know Wyoming's not very good this year, and New Mexico's a much better opponent. But uh, there's no question, this has been a, a New Mexico team that's been really up and down. Uh, New Mexico team that looked like a lock for the NCAA tournament just a month ago. Uh, now they're on the outside looking in, probably going to have to win the conference tournament. And which New Mexico team shows up? Because when New Mexico's really good, they can be at any team in the conference, and they certainly can make a run through the Mountain West Conference Tournament in Vegas next week and, and snatch the automatic qualifying NCAA bid out of the conference. But, you know, CSU going to have to play well. I think they can. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It'd be fun 
to close out the regular season on a high note, give the Moby fans a little something to cheer about in an otherwise disappointing season, then, you know, roll the ball out in Vegas and, and see what happens. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I don't see Colorado State making a run in the conference tournament. Can they win one? Can they win two? Possibly. Uh, there's no way that this basketball team is going to win four games in Las Vegas, which is what they'll have to do if, if they want to go to the postseason this year. How many teams do you think the Mountain West gets in, ultimately? Because I've seen the number kind of fluctuate a little bit, two to three at times. What? Well, how many, possibly four, depending on which, uh, you know, which site you go to, looking at uh, various bracket projections, how many do you think the, the Mountain West ultimately gets in when uh, Selection Sunday rolls around? Yeah, well, I think, I think they're a lock for two. Uh, you know, Boise State on Tuesday night beat San Diego State, the 18th-ranked team of the nation. Uh, which I think solidified at Boise State as a, you know, NCAA tournament team, no matter what happens next week in, in Las Vegas, the conference tournament. So San Diego State's a lock for sure. Um, I, think, I think Boise State's a lock at this point. And then, you know, you look at uh, Nevada and Utah State. And I think Nevada right now in most uh, everybody's bracketology is, is, is in, um, not by a big margin, right? But it's in, and I think Utah State, you look at most of the bracketologists out there, they have Utah State just on the outside, but by a small margin, meaning you can you know, still move a little bit. So um, you know, Utah State, I think, would have to make the finals in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. They can do that. Uh, I think Utah State has a real chance to get in. And Nevada can't go out and lose in the quarterfinals. Um, so you know, if, if Nevada and Utah State both play well in the conference tournament, uh, I think you have a chance to get four teams in. And then, of course, if you have New Mexico, it goes in there and runs the table. I mean, who knows? All bets are off the table. But at this point, I'd say three, Jim. Uh, it could only be two. It could get up to four. But I think the best bet would be three at this point. Of course, we still have the Mountain West Conference tournament to play. But uh, but for CSU, I mean, I don't think the NIT is probably going to be there for, for them. But one of the other postseason tournaments, is that a possibility for the Rams? No, I, I asked Nico Medved about that a couple weeks ago, and I said, Nico, you guys get a chance to play in a postseason tournament. He goes, no. He goes, no. He said, not not with this group. And the the big reason, Jim, for that is, is that uh, I think you're going to see a lot of roster turnover for CSU. I, I think they understand they got to revamp the roster. Now, number one, they're going to try to keep Isaiah Stevens and have him come back for that COVID season, the, the super senior season that Isaiah has in his back pocket. But I think you're going to see – this team really get retooled. And, you know, if, if, if this was a team that was really going to stay together and they had some young guys here that they really just wanted to develop and like, hey, listen, we like our team, we're going to roll with this group next year, then I think postseason is, is a little more attractive because you get more games with this particular group. But this roster is going to look a lot different than how it looks right now. And because of that, you know, I, I think the postseason doesn't give you really any benefits as you try to move the program forward. And so, uh, yeah, Nico Medved said they're they're not interested in going to any of the, you know, the NIT is out the window. They're not good enough yeah. to play in the NIT. Their resume is not strong enough. And they don't want to go and play in one of the, I, I don't want to call third-tier postseasons, but that's what they are, the CBI and the, and, uh, the College Basketball Invitational and some of those tournaments. So, uh, no, it'll be, it'll be, Win it all in Vegas or, or, or bust for postseason. Who else besides Stevens do you think is back from this current roster? 
Well, John Tanjay, second leading scorer for the Rams, he's was in the same recruiting class as Stevens. He has the opportunity to come back for a for a senior super senior season. Um, so you know, Stevens and Tanjay are wild cards. Obviously, Stevens is the big one there. I mean, yeah, they are going to throw the kitchen sink at him and try to get him some some nice NIL money to to, to keep him from either going pro or you know, I don't think this would happen. But for Stevens to you know say, hey, I'm going to go and play for Oklahoma next year, or I'm going to go play at Texas Tech or something. Um, so that's, that's number one. But as hopefully those two guys come back. Um, uh, you'll see, I think, Jalen Lake will come back. Uh, Tavy Jackson, the freshman, uh, is going to come back here this year. Uh, probably Rivera Cartier is going to be back. But I think you're going to see uh, probably six new players on the roster. You have 13 scholarships. Uh, they're bringing in two freshmen. You keep uh, five players, and so you know you, you do the math there. It's it's going to be a you know they're not going to replace fifty percent of the roster, but I think it's going to be about forty percent. So you're going to have a lot of new faces in here, and um, yeah, most of them are going to be uh, most of them are going to be transfers. You got to you got to get better, more athletic, longer, and you know we'll see how they do. It's a massive, massive offseason for Nico Medved and that coaching uh, coaching staff. CSU voice Brian Roth with us today on the Team Sports Network. We'll, we'll switch over to football just briefly here, Brian, with uh, practice starting, spring ball starting on March 21st and the, the green goal game on April 22nd. The, the two most interesting storylines for spring ball for you would be what leading into football season? Well, it's, it's going to be what did they bring in to fix the offensive line? And, and you know, we've talked enough over the last, Year, Jim. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Was pretty rough on that offensive the line. Problem. It's hard to score points when you can't block anybody, right? I mean, it's just it's the most fundamental aspect of the game is blocking and tackling. And on offense, you're trying to block, and if you can't do that, it's hard to score. So, you know, that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the thing that that really stands out to me. And then, you know. I, I'm really curious to see how the wide receiving core progresses. Tory Horton's coming back. Um, you know, I thought Tory Horton was by far the best wide receiver in the Mountain West Conference last year. Put up really good numbers despite the fact the offensive line couldn't block and protect Clay Millen. And then you had the the, the core of freshman receivers led by Justice Ross Simmons, who, man, he looks like he could be again following in the footsteps of, of Tory Horton and. Michael Gallup, uh, Rashard Higgins. I mean, he looks like a dude that is an NFL caliber player. And and then they're going to bring in some some early uh, enrollees. A couple of wide receivers are early enrollees here too. So I'm really interested to see what some of those uh, young wide receivers, the guys that were here last year, how they progress into year two, and then some of these new guys coming in that that are going to get a spring football under the belt, which means uh, they should be able to compete and play and help you. Uh, on Saturdays coming up here in the fall. So offensive line and, and just what do those young wide receivers look like? Because when you look at the wide receiving class that, that Jay Norvell brought in last year and here this past recruiting class, some really highly rated kids. And, of course, they're coming here because, A, Jay Norvell is one of the best wide receiver coaches in the entire nation. Doesn't matter the program. And, B, because of the air raid offense, you know that you're going to, you're going to get a lot of balls coming your way. And so that's how they've been able to go out there and really bring in talent. And now we're going to get a chance to see what that talent looks like. Hey, Brian, appreciate it. Enjoy a couple of days off, and good luck with the call coming up Friday 
with the Rams in New Mexico. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll be able to stay awake at that late start time coming up on Friday night. Get a, Take a nap before you go call it on Friday, okay? Oh, man, that's going to be a nap, but then just have three or four copies right there ready to go. Absolutely. Hey, Brian, appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams with us. And coming up next, we'll jump from the Rams to the Buffaloes. Mark Johnson will join us on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Craptastic. That's just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. It's time to talk buffs with CU voice Mark Johnson on the Jim Davis Show on the team. With us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, the voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, Mark Johnson. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Jim, good morning. Power's back on over here so I can talk to you. All's good in the world. <laughs> All right. Yes, uh, dealing with power outages, Internet issues. Uh, you and I have experienced uh, both those things the last day or so. So yep. all, all kinds well, of fun. Just, this time of year, though, it's just good to have the heat on. You know, so that was kind oh. of nice to get the heat back on. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I would I would imagine, man, like you, Mark, yeah, probably a nice little wood burning stove over there, just a backup, right, or just for ambiance. Well, you know, we do not have a wood burning stove really? in the house here. I'm no, surprised. No, I know that, that's why I know that's a little bit surprising and a little bit, uh, uh, you know, disappointing to me, to be honest with you. Oh yeah. Uh, I've looked at different. I can't, we we can't seem to agree on where one would go. Oh, I see. So and so there's been a debate about that for years, and I said, you know, that's a great spot. My wife said, absolutely not. And so that's where the argument ended. Oh, just a tip because I had one for years. A quadrifier with a blower on it. Oh, uh, it'll fantastic. Oh, that, I, I've loved the one we've had, and now we're selling our house and moving to a place that has a gas fireplace, which. <laughs> Kind of, I'm kind of disappointed about it, but we, yeah, the wood burning stove is fantastic. You'll yeah, love it. You'll it t- talk talk the misses into it. Find find a location and and she'll be she'll be thrilled. She's like, why did I why did I put this off for so long? Why was I arguing about yeah. which which place to go? So yeah. you'll well, you'll love it. it. Uh, eventually, if if and when I do win that argument, I'm going to give you a call and get some get some advice on, on what you guys had. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be glad to share what little knowledge I have about one one subject that I can maybe actually provide a little a little information on. Uh, Colorado coming up uh, just short at home against UCLA. Great crowd uh, on hand to watch the Buffs take on the number four team in the nation. And for Colorado, just came up short in that loss on Sunday. Get a chance to to take in a little bit of it. And for for Tad Boyle and the Buffs, just uh, just frustrating because it was it was right there for the Buffaloes yeah. to come up with a huge upset on their home floor. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering if Tristan De Silva hadn't gone down with you know five minutes to play yeah. there with the injury, and he left the ball game. Maybe they'll pull that out, but. You know, could have, should have, would have. Um, the, the good news was, and I tell you what, you came out of that game feeling very different than the loss on Thursday night. Thursday night was one of those hollow, what in the world did I just watch? How can uh, the Buffaloes play this poorly against USC? They just didn't have any great fight in them and grit. And then came back on Sunday and really played hard in that game. And like you said, just came up uh, short, led for a good chunk of the game. And, but... Uh, Nonetheless, uh, you know, yeah, it gets you absolutely nothing. It's close, but no cigar, and, and you don't get any prizes for that. And there's no, uh, you know, victories in that, and so you just kind of move on. But you know, it, 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 I think, kind of epitomizes the way this team has been this season. They, they can play with anybody. They had a narrow loss by four points there, and then they can lose in, in silly fashion like they did on Thursday night. Yeah, sixty to fifty-six loss to UCLA, and you know the, the Bruins winning their eighth in a row. They're now twenty-five and four, sixteen and two. And you mentioned Tristan De Silva that left with five minutes to go, thirteen points. And I think you, I think I believe you made the point on the on the broadcast on Sunday that while Tristan's had a really good season against some of the big boys like UCLA, 
he hasn't exactly always played his best basketball. But I think Sunday he certainly was giving the Buffs a chance with the way he was playing on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, playing very well, I thought. And, you know, I, there's a little bit of that. When, when I threw that number out after I kind of did, I thought, guess what, what the number was? Just against the top three teams in, in the Pac-12, uh, he's averaged about 11 points per ball game. His shooting numbers have been down, blah, blah, blah. And I thought maybe I should have put that in better context because when you're playing a better competition – the, the defense is going to be better and the challenge is going to be greater and all those kind of things. And then when you're on a team like Colorado that so relies on two guys, K.J. Simpson and, and especially Tristan De Silva, he'd be the primary guy. When that happens, you're going to get much greater uh, attention defensively. And, you know, Ted and I got, or rather Mike Rohn was on the show, uh, our boss primetime show on Monday night, he and I got talking about this. And I said, you know, when you move up, because last year he would have been probably the number four option, three option maybe, maybe the number four option on the team. And I think when you move up and become the number one guy, well, all of a sudden the defense becomes that much greater, right? You're facing the number one defender on the other team. And so you know, that, that's just part of, of kind of the growing process for Tristan De Silva. So, you know, after I threw those numbers out there, I thought, well, maybe I didn't fully, you know, contextualize exactly what that means and why that is. I don't want to put too much blame on the kid. He's, you know, he's, he's playing fantastic basketball. He's going to be an all-conference kid this year. As far as Tristan, that injury, what does that look like for the Utah game? Well, that's a good question. Uh, it's the old line, and, you know, he's listed as day-to-day, aren't we all? And, and you know, when, uh, on Monday night, in fact, we're sitting there, and Mike Rowan actually got a text from Tristan saying, hey, here's what they've determined. And it's okay, it's not broken, there's no tendon or ligament damage in there, it's just simply a, a pretty good sprain. And so, you know, you, you've seen guys play with that kind of thing, and you've seen guys also have great issues with that kind of thing, and so I think that's where they're sitting right now, just kind of waiting to see what he's going to be able to do you know, on Saturday evening against, uh, or Saturday afternoon, I should say, against Utah. I really thought Luke O'Brien stepped up, and, and really when they needed him to to deliver both scoring and rebounding, he certainly did that. 13 points, 10 rebounds, first career double-double for the junior that uh, I thought he had a, a really nice performance against the Bruins. He's been playing very good basketball. In fact, he's, he's growing into the kind of player, you know, when Tad talks about his program, he talks about development all the time. He wants to recruit and develop. He's, he doesn't want to be the guy that's in the transfer portal all the time. He, he's very selective about who he takes in the portal. But what he wants is you recruit a guy, they develop, the upperclassmen always carry the load, the younger guys are evolving and contributing, but, you know, not on a consistent basis because they're not going to do that. They're going to they're be, <clears throat> excuse me, inconsistent. And so Luke's become one of those guys that you that he wants in his program that okay you're a junior now now you're supposed to be relied upon i can count on you game in and game out luke's become that guy i mean he's over the last i don't have the numbers in front of me but i'm going to guess over the last 15 games he's probably averaging you know somewhere around nine and seven nine and eight someplace in that range uh he's just missed a double double uh, two or three times now during that stretch and he finally got one on, on sunday i mean he is a consistent player he's six eight He's a broad shoulder, narrow in the hip kind of guy. He can go in and battle with big bodies in there, even though he gives up a little bit of size on, at times because he's very strong. He's athletic. He can shoot the three. So now he's become a very nice player. I'm excited to see. I think, you know, we've talked about it, Jim. The Buffs are going to be loaded next season with Cody, Cody Williams coming in. He was just named a high school All-American here a couple of days ago. And, and the other recruits that got coming in, one of the top recruiting classes in the country. Luke's going to be a huge part of that in, in a role situation, obviously. Uh, but, no, he'll, I think he's, he's playing great basketball right now. I'm really proud of him. Mark Johnson, voice of the Buffaloes, with us today on the Team Sports Network. 
course, I mentioned Utah coming up on Saturday. Then we get into the uh, Pac-12 tournament, and hopefully Colorado can replicate what they did that that inaugural year in the conference when they uh, made the run to to win the Pac-12 tournament title. But you know, let's you know, let's assume that that's probably not going to happen. You, you never know. Hopefully, we'll keep our fingers crossed for history to repeat itself. But uh, right now, what does it look in terms of NIT? One of the other tournaments that are out there. When I, you know, Brian Roth used the term third tier, and he said, "I hate to use that term, but that's yep. kind of what they are." Yep. What does that look like for the Buffaloes in terms of the postseason if they obviously don't win the tournament and make the NCAA basketball tournament? Well, I think it's very clear. Tanner's kind of, kind of, uh, you know, he he played in the CBI one year. And it didn't go well. And the team was, you could tell, they were checked out. And, and so he's, he's made the determination after that that we'll never play in that again. He, he did that for a purposeful reason that year because of the youth on the team and thought, well, maybe this will be a good experience. And <clears throat> if you remember, uh, uh, Skia Booker decided not to play, and so yeah. he was out, and guys were like, you know, they were half packing their bags, that kind of thing. And so he's made the determination he'll never play in that again. So could they get invited to that if they're above 500? Sure. Uh, will they? No. Uh, so the only two options would be the NCAA or the NIT. And there's only one way to make the NCAA tournament, and that's, of course, winning the conference championship, as you just pointed out. The NIT, they'd have to make one heck of a run, probably get to the championship game. Because, remember, they're going to end up with a losing record in Pac-12 play. And the NIT will shy away from that. And so, yeah, that, that's even going to be a long shot at this point. My guess is you either win it all, uh, in Vegas and go to the dance or you're, you're done for the year. That, that's my guess at this point in time. Mark Johnson voiced the Buffaloes with us today on the Team Sports Network. I uh, do want to mention or talk a little bit of Colorado Spring Football, which sure. uh, practice starts uh, March 19th for uh, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, the Buffaloes. And, of course, that spring game is set for April 22nd, the uh, the black and gold uh, game over at uh, Folsom Field. So the, the right now on, on this day, the second day of March, Leading up to start a spring ball, the two story lines that you're kind of you'll have an interest in that intrigue you, Mark, when it comes to watching this first year under Coach Prime. Uh, boy, that's tough. Since I mean, everything's brand new. The roster's brand new. Um, If I have to narrow it down, I'm going to say Shadur Sanders. You want to see what he's all about? That's you know, that's always that's almost kind of a default is. You know, what's the quarterback going to look like? And so with all the hype that he comes in, he probably saw he won some um, awards out of the HBCU uh, you know, just here the last, last couple of days. And, and so I'm interested to see what he is firsthand. We've seen stuff, obviously, in highlights. And if you watch that bowl game last year, uh, you know he's a pretty dynamic athlete. But I want to watch that, and then I want to see, you know, he's brought in, he being Coach Prime, He's brought in a lot of interesting players, obviously through the portal and, and also uh, you know, just, just uh, traditional recruiting. What I want to see is what's going on up front, because that's where this is all going to be won, as we well know in football. And so I want to see what that looks like. I had a long conversation with Bill O'Boyle, the offensive line coach, the other day. and I'm going to meet uh, later on today with Nick Williams, the defensive ends coach uh, for the, the Bobs. I want to talk to him about that kind of stuff and find out exactly what that's going to look like because that, that's going to determine a lot to this team. Do I think that they brought in a lot of skill guys? Yes, I do. I think they brought in a lot of talent. You might have seen the video yesterday. It was, uh, and I'm losing the young man's name, uh, Horn, uh, the wide receiver, uh, going against Travis Hunter, who was the number one corner in America a year ago and went to Jackson for one year. And, and you want to see two supreme athletes going at it. And Horn was getting the better of Hunter in those highlights that they uh, they put out on social media yesterday. And so, 
you know, there's a lot of talent like that. I'm excited about the skill guys, but you got to be able to protect. You got to be able to get to the quarterback. And so uh, I want to know what's going on up front. And, and so that'll be probably the number number one or number two thing I'm watching. But the quarterback obviously is going to be very important as well. Yeah, J.C. Horn. I looked it up really Horn, quickly. J.C. Horn uh, has a really promising future with the Buffaloes. Yep. Uh, I did read a piece about Shadur Sanders and kind of the comparison with Cam Ward at Washington State. Cam Ward, guy that was uh, what in, uh, FCS program that uh, obviously had a really good season for Washington State, and can Shadur Sanders be the Cam Ward of 2023? It, it was a, an interesting piece about uh, about the the experience that Cam Ward got playing at the FCS level. You know, while there's certainly a jump and uh, the challenge of going to a Power Five conference, in particular going from FCS, that Shadur Sanders could very well be this year's version of Cam Ward. Well, yeah, and, and I think there's there's great. I think there's a great upside for Shadur Sanders, obviously. We know he's got the bloodlines, for goodness sakes, right? And so that's unquestioned. What, what we've seen in some of the highlights, I mean, he looks the part. Everything you want to see, you see. And so that's why I'm greatly optimistic, and, and obviously uh, Buff Nation's very excited about him. And, but, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. Well, once you get on out there and we, we get a look at you, then when the, the bullets are flying, as we like to say, and all that, that, that's when we're really going to find out. So that, that's why I'm, I'm really interested in watching because it's been a long time since we've had a, a very high-level quarterback here at the University of Colorado. You know, it's really interesting. I was, I was uh, having a conversation with somebody in the staff, uh, one of the staff rooms the other day, and I said, you know, who's the great Colorado quarterback that went on to the NFL and, and, and had, you know, enormous – there's been a lot of programs that have great, you know, great quarterbacks that go out there and – you know, just make a name for themselves in the NFL. And, and you, you think to yourself, well, um, you know, the greatest quarterback in college history is Darren Hagan. That's what we all, you know, you think about. Cordell Stewart probably had the most notable NFL career, had a very nice NFL career. Detmer had a, had a nice NFL career, mainly as a backup. But Colorado's really never had a guy that went to the NFL and really had a long, sustained, high-level career. In the and it's stunning to me, considering the, the, the uh, program and the success it's had over the course of time and where it kind of sits in history and, you know, with top 25 winning this program and all these kind of things. I'm stunned by that. So I've been waiting for that next great quarterback. And before I retire, Jim, I want to see him, dang it. I want to watch that guy <laughs> and see him go on to the NFL and have great success. Well, hopefully that's this season with Shadur Sanders. Hopefully that'll be the case. Right. I'm hopeful. All right, Mark. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us here on the 9 o'clock hour and, and always a pleasure. Thanks. All right, Jim. Take care. Are you too. Mark Johnson, Voice of the Buffaloes, joining us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Want to bring it back uh, here locally with spring ball coming up for uh, Miles Coachaver and uh, Colorado Mesa. And uh, they have their evening with Coach uh, Coachaver coming up. It's going to be out at uh, Two Rivers Winery and Chateau out on uh, the Redlands. It's uh, March 18th. The, the game's that day, by the way, the spring game. We're, we plan on being part of that over there. The festivities uh, from 10 until noon. And then an evening with Coach Miles from 6 to 9 o'clock, and that's at Tourer's Winery in Chateau, 2087 Broadway. And it's uh, it's being put on to uh, through the uh, CMU Football Alumni Chapter and to uh, generate support for the program, unite uh, many generations of Maverick football. And so uh, it's going to be uh, out there with uh, Coach Miles and his staff will be part of it, uh, sharing their vision for the program. Uh, so there's going to be food and beverages out there as well. And you can get tickets for it uh, by going to the supportingcmu.com website. 
and you get tables, also individual tickets as well for an evening with Coach Coach Aver. And that is once again March 18th. We're going to get some former Mavs on to, to help talk about, uh, of course, this season, but also some of the history of Maverick football over the next uh, couple of weeks before uh, leading up to the evening with Coach Coach Aver. But once again, that is Saturday, March 18th. Uh, the spring game is that day at Stoker Stadium from 10 to noon. And then uh, 6 to 9 o'clock that night at uh, Trubers Winery in Chateau out on Broadway. Once again, go to supportingcmu.com to get your tickets for that event with Coach Miles Cochaver and the Maverick football team. All right, 938, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. We have In the Garage with NASCAR. Fred brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan in just a moment. And right now, it's... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 1921, Kentucky beats Georgia 20-19 to in the Southern Intercollegiate Men's Basketball Championship game in Atlanta. Thriller. They didn't, fortunately didn't call it the SEX ah. back in the day. No, that's, that's tw- that would not have been as entertaining. 20-19. to The 14-team conference does not keep formal regular season standing. It's college basketball's first tournament. Also, 1929, the Chicago Blackhawks score a goal to snap their NHL record eight-game scoreless streak. Chicago scores twice to beat the Montreal Maroons by the score of 2-1. to one. 1962, Will Chamberlain scores an NBA record 100 points to lead the Warriors to a 169-147 triumph over the New York Knicks. Chamberlain scores 59 second-half points and 28 points from the foul line. Both are records at that time. Also, he also scored twice after the game, too. And at halftime. <laughs> Probably at halftime, yeah. It's like, why wait till the game's over? I'm a big guy with a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie still would have scored 59 Give me a points. Hot dogs and a lady. With the half or, or, or two, possibly. Or two. 2011, Pittsburgh overcomes a slow start to clinch at least to share the Big East regular season championship with a 66 51 over South Florida. Pitt coach Jimmy Dixon sets an NCAA Division I record for most victories in the first eight seasons of a career of 200. And 14. And 2012 Major League Baseball expands the playoff format to 10 teams, adding a second wild card in each league. The decision establishes a one game wild card round in each league between the teams with the best records who are not division winners. Which, of course, now we no longer have the one game yeah, wild card. Yeah, glad we're done with that. Glad we are done with that. All right, 940. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk NASCAR. It's in the garage at NASCAR, Fred, brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. That's on the way on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Now, to anyone out there who wants to go fast, anybody. I want to go fast. It's like an oval, then we're going to drive straight, and then we're going to be turning to the left. Green flag, get ready to go in the air. Buggity, buggity, buggity! Let's go racing, boys! All right, it's time to go in the garage with NASCAR Fred, brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. Not just a better deal, a better dealership pricing information. can all be found at their website, MontroseFordNissan.com, from the great state of Iowa. He is our NASCAR guru, NASCAR Fred. Hello, Fred. How are you this morning? I'm pretty good. And if anyone thought that Kyle Busch might be past his prime, well, bad news for... <laughs> boy. Isn't he something? There's two races in with Richard Childress racing. He's already got a win. Um, that that could be kind of scary. You know what else? Well, what sucks about this whole thing with the Kyle Busch? The, the worst part about it is, guess who picked Kyle Busch yeah. to, to win? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I was. You were the one that, that really I, matters in this deal. No, 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 not really. But congratulations, <laughs> Buckeye. Thank you. Congratulations. Hey, all yeah. of our racers finished. That that's something. If, if only just barely for Kyle Larson, but he he was running well, at the end. He was the thing. Yeah, Kyle Larson. He had electrical problems and. Uh, Spent some laps in the garage getting it fixed. He came back out. He was 16 laps down. At the end of the race, he was still 16 laps down. He didn't move any. So so he was running the same pace as the lead back cars. He was just the, those laps behind because of mechanical problems. So uh, who knows? If he hadn't had that, he probably would have contended. But, uh, yeah, we go, Jim. <laughs> Yay. Uh, hey, you got a top five. Don't yeah. sneeze at that. No, but, but you won, though. That's the thing that's, that's, that's disappointing to me is that true. Fred wins. I'm okay with it. I can... I can live with that. You, it's it's really it's tough. Really it's really worse. It makes way. me very very bitter. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but Kyle Busch oh, though, right. as you mentioned, he's really the the highest profile free agent in the NASCAR offseason. Takes uh, his first checkered flag uh, for Richard Childress Racing with the uh, Paula Casino 400 win at uh, Fontana, and like we mentioned, uh, the the farewell to Fontana final race uh, at that course. Yeah, they are moving the bulldozer and the heavy equipment in. They're going to tear out that two-mile track and put in a high-banked half-mile. They're selling off part of the property, 400 and some acres, going to make it a smaller complex and a lot smaller track, but uh, I think it's going to be interesting. We're going to have to wait a while to see. Uh, they're, they're shooting for 2026 to have the first race on, on the new track, so there, there's going to be going to be a couple seasons in between there, but uh, it's definitely something to, to look forward to. Uh, I saw an interesting story here. I don't know if this is a bad omen or not. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, during the first stage of the race on Sunday, a black cat wandered out onto the track and unfortunately got run over. And uh, Ooh. I, know, I know it's bad luck to have a black cat cross your path. I think in this case it was worse luck for the cat. <laughs> so so was it, though, was it bad luck for Joey Logano because he was the one that uh, has been uh, accused of creating the multi-car pileup at Fontana, Joey's like, I didn't break check anyone. Wasn't me, but uh, a lot of people say, "Yeah, it was you, dude. You were the reason why there was the four I mean, the race car pileup." Yeah, <laughs> there, there is the video to prove uh, it. Well, Joey would never do anything like that, would he? No, I wouldn't think so. No, he said, "Go back, go back, and look at the data. I didn't do anything. I just rolled it and went like everyone was anticipating it." Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. you know. On, on the, re, on the restart, yeah, yeah, it's hard to say at this point. But talking about Kyle Busch, he's kind of kind of made some history with that win. Um, his sixty-first Cup win that puts him into ninth place on the all-time wins list. That's a, that's pretty elite company. There passes Kevin Harvick. He's now one win ahead. Also, I didn't know this: the Bush brothers become the winningest brother duo in NASCAR history. They have ninety-five. Combined wins. Kyle has 61. Kurt has 34. Uh, 95 together. That passes the Allison brothers, Bobby and Donnie. They ended up with 94 combined wins. So little little piece of history for for both of the Bush brothers. Oh, kudos to them on the th- yeah, the Kurt very successful. Didn't even have to do anything. Yeah, exactly. Kyle did all the heavy lifting this last weekend to to get them into that uh, that rarefied yeah. air. Well, it's not that Kurt wouldn't be out there if he if he could, you know. Right. Like he's going to be running some races this year, they said, but uh, you know he just had to step back from the from the full time schedule because of the concussion issues. Kind of like what happened with Dale Jr. Um, you know that's that's it happens, and maybe if they had made the changes to the car last year, but you know 
there's a whole lot of if only then what, you know, then maybe we wouldn't have this issue. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the top ten, we're, we're, we're talk, we've been talking all along ever since they debuted the next gen car. We're talking about parity, and uh, you know, there's a couple organizations that are really hot. Trackhouse Racing, um, third and fourth, Chastain and Suarez, uh, Richard Childress, Kyle Busch, of course. The Austin Dillon has been running really well too. People thought that might be the case that it would benefit RCR as a whole. Um, Dillon came in ninth of both of their cars in the top ten. RFK Brad Keselowski was seventh. Um, Chris Busher 13th. So there's a lot of a lot of folks who are, who are contenders. You know, it's like we've talked about before. Instead of you know maybe eight or ten guys, you've got 20 guys who could conceivably win the race every time you go out. So that makes it exciting. I uh, should mention this: Ricky Stenhouse, of course, won the Daytona 500, picking up a pretty impressive sponsorship. Uh, Coca-Cola Zero will be uh, sponsoring the mm-hmm. JTG. Doherty uh, Racing Team, of course, for years, drivers have celebrated in the winter circle with a uh, with a nice cold, uh, ice cold uh, Coca Cola. But uh, now, Coca Cola Zero is going to be sponsoring Ricky Stenhouse's car as he races at Las Vegas this weekend. And I want to bring this up. Uh, apparently, Lego is now getting involved in NASCAR because mm-hmm. Lego, according They're to make this, the guy who finished his last walk on them, no barefoot. That'd be pretty funny, though. But Lego has become a new NASCAR licensee. They released the NASCAR Next Gen Camaro. So um, Lego, uh, stop by and see our friend Kenneth down at the Ebricks on yeah. down yeah. there by uh, the Blue Moon, the uh, Winner's Circle, and the Losers Box. Yeah, <laughs> the Losers Box. That's pretty good. So so Lego now uh, getting involved yeah. with the uh, as a NASCAR licensee. And they're, and they're kind of really going all out on this thing. It says it has true-to-life features like cockpit steering and opening hood and a replica V8 engine with moving pistons. Very I cool. I see the pistons if they're inside there. But, uh, <laughs> Apparently it's you know, got a little cutout <laughs> thing there. You can, a little like window, you can see the pistons working, I guess. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. I, mean, I, I, might, I might have to just get my hands on one of those. You know, Those are not just for kids. Kids shouldn't have those. You should keep those away from the kids because they're too cool. That's right. Kids deserve things that are uncool. They have to learn how to be cool. They should not have coolness immediately dropped in their lap. I, I totally agree with you on that one. So we have uh, the Pennzoil 400 coming up this weekend, Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Fox Television. And uh, looking at the favorites, uh, Kyle Busch is among that group of favorites to, to win again yet this week. But uh, just uh, you know, going through some of the other favorites for the uh, Las Vegas Speedway, which, by the way, Bryce Harper, former player for the, in the Junior College World Series. Noted Las Vegas resident. Exactly. is going to be the Grand Marshal for the Pennzoil 400. Shouldn't he be at work? Well, I'm thinking, well, it's probably quick little flight. Go there, Grand Marshal. Go back, go back to spring <laughs> yeah, training. Yeah. We have airplanes. Yeah, exactly. He's probably got his own helicopter, too. See, Nationals are Grapefruit League, though, aren't they? I He's uh, Philly, but I believe they're Grapefruit League, I mean, sorry, League Phil, I'm, I'm forgetting which... T- I'm facing which team he's with now. Yeah, the Phillies. They're Grapefruit League. I believe so. So it's not like if Cactus League, it wouldn't be a big deal, right? It's a little bit. So he uh, better have his own plane. Yeah, if he's but the you know, Phillies out in out in Florida. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, Kyle Larson, uh, my guy from last week, uh, second in the odds. Ross Chastain, Joey Logano. So Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, the two Kyles, Ross Chastain, who did lead a couple of the stages last week, and Joey Logano. Those are your top four favorites right now for a Sunday's race in Las Vegas. So our rotation of picks will be me, 
you, then Fred will be last because he picked first last week. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to pick Ross Chastain. Okay. Hmm. <sighs> I'm going to go... I'm going to go with that guy that likes to create wrecks and says it's not his fault. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Joey Logano. Joey Logano. <laughs> the driver everybody loves to hate. Yep. Joey the Weasel. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to pick Chastain, honestly. Um, I'm going to go with Kyle Busch, though. He's huh. the favorite. He's hot. He's, there's, there's you know better than even chance I think he's going to go back to back and, and just be on a tear this whole year. So Kyle Busch. All right. So those are our picks for this week. One the quick race. thing. That's so go ahead, Fred. Kyle Larson going to do the double, not this year, but uh, 20, 2024 and possibly twenty five into the Indy five hundred and the Coke six hundred, driving for Hendrick. I always think that's cool when a guy decides to to commit to that. That's a lot of laps. That'll be awesome. It uh, is. I think Kurt Busch was the last one to do it. So it's, it's been a day or two. So uh, one thirty yep. Sunday Fox TV Las Vegas Motor Speedway the Pennzoil four hundred. Fred, appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks, Jim. All right, there he goes. Didn't want to do it to Fred while he was on the air. Uh, Fred's still below the the water line there with a negative one point. You've uh, poked your head above the water line. You're plus one now with your uh, top five, and I'm at plus four with my win. Just to kind of remind people, if you're keeping score at home, I'm sorry, because you probably (laughs) have have a hobby of some sort. Five points for a win, two for a top five, one for a top ten. You lose a point for a DNF. I'm going to have to come up with some kind of congratulations for whoever wins each week, like we do with the football picks. Oh, no. This one. Yeah. What is I, best in life? I don't want to use Crush it the again. No, we have See one. them driven before you? We, do we have they one? a lamentation well, of the women. We have a That, is, that, that is fits good. the theme. There's a big, hairy okay. American winning machine. Well, let's use that, then. Well, yeah. Let's use that. Because okay. that's from the NASCAR movie. Ricky it's from Bobby. Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. Did, did you play that for yourself earlier? I didn't. No, I... It was a big, hairy okay. American winning machine. Well, there you go. See, you should be playing that. Yep. You know, I, mean, I would I... be playing it if, if I had won. Yeah, you know. I also have this I one. am the smartest man alive! I, I like the Ricky Bobby one. Mm-hmm. Stick with Ricky Bobby. No, no offense to <laughs> Adam Sandler, but stick with Ricky Bobby. All right. Uh, ready to hop in the uh, the dumpster, wrap it up with some garbage time very quickly? Sure. Okay, here we go. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right, do you have anything you would like to start out with? Uh, ESPN's getting major eyeballs. They had Mets Cardinals on the other day. Largest spring training audience in seven years to watch a little Cardinals Mets action, 423,000 viewers on average for practice baseball, essentially. Do you you think that maybe some of the rule changes are bringing people in to say, okay, I want to see what this looks like? I think that's more it than anything else. I just think, what does the the pitch clock look like? What is it looking Mm -hmm. like in terms of how hitters and pitchers are handling some of these rule changes? I agree. Could very well be the case. That's our show. I'll be back with you tomorrow with Cake.